Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. We talk about the Nuggets game last night that saw another competitive contest. Terry Rozier has been playing well in the eyes of Doug. Doug also loves these crazy bees and this. Cody Martin is 11, correct? Yes. And Kayla Martin is 10. I always, I always remember it like this. 10 is the number in soccer that they give to the best player, but Cody Martin is the better twin. So he gets 11 and Caleb gets 10. (laughs) You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. Last night was the fifth game in a row the Charlotte Hornets either won or competed, and it was the fourth game in a row that they actually uh, they played against a good team and won or they competed against the Denver Nuggets, and depending on how you view the Spurs, I guess, the Denver Nuggets certainly would fall in that category. They fall to the Denver Nuggets last night in the Spectrum Center, 114 to 112. It came down to a Jamal Murray short corner fadeaway jump shot that was closely contested by Cody Martin. Don't know if you could have played any better defense. James Borrego talked about that very play in the postgame press conference and said the only thing you could have done better was block it. And Cody Martin didn't have a shot to do that when Jamal Murray did fade away. Eventually, Denver would win because Der- Terry Rozier tried to take on the whole team in an ISO situation, falls to the ground before hoisting up a prayer. Actually had <laughs> a pretty good shot uh, after, after that attempt, a, a little bit better of a shot to go in than I thought after that attempt. But sure enough, it missed. And the Hornets fall to the Denver Nuggets, 114 to 112. A good game again, for uh, though, for the Hornets, Doug. I, I like what I saw from the Hornets in this one. James Borrego echoed that same statement after talking about it in the postgame press conference. What was your overall feeling and takeaway from this game against Denver? Well, it was another game where the Hornets played a really good basketball team, and ultimately it came down to a possession, and it also came down to a position because you had uh, the Denver Nuggets with Jamal Murray knocking down a shot uh, to go ahead, and then you had the Hornets, their guard position. It came down to Terry Rozier, and he was unable to knock down the shot and also came down to two very nasty crossovers. I mean, Jamal put it on Cody Martin to get out and get some space for that mid-range shot. Cody Martin did recover, got a hand up, but not in time. And then Terry Rozier almost dropped Jeremy Grant on his crossover to open things up, but he fumbled the ball a little yeah, bit. He and dropped fumbled, himself, right. right he, well, he fumbled his body in trying to recover his dribble. He did get a shot up. And to Terry's credit, throughout the game, he was hitting tough shots. And this that one in particular did not fall and probably to the long-term benefit of the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, if we're seriously talking about ping pong balls, they played this game competitively. They end up losing it very closely. I'm sure it's it's they don't want to lose that kind of game, but it's I don't think that loss is going to hurt them long-term. It probably will help them in terms of their ability to get a higher draft pick. So I think all in all, you, you, love, you love what you saw out of the Charlotte Hornets. They were competitive in the first quarter, uh, dropped some things in the second quarter defensively, uh, got outscored 29 to 17, but then they come roaring back in that third quarter, 31 to 20. Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, PJ Washington, all playing stellar offense. Cody Martin, Caleb Martin, and Jalen McDaniels playing stellar defense. 
Yeah, I think this is kind of the perfect uh, perfect situation for the Hornets, right? Because you want them to compete against some of these really good teams, and yet in the long run, it does better suit them to get the loss in order to enhance their draft odds. And when you talk about the Hornets actually beating a good team like the Toronto Raptors, at least it gives you evidence of they can take care of it. So it's not just maybe one of these mirages where, hey, they're always really close to winning and they never do, but that gives us something to look forward to. No, they've taken care of a lot of these games. In Borrego's press conference last night, one of the things he mentioned in his opening comments was that the Charlotte Hornets have the most wins of any NBA team in one possession games. You might look at that and look at the point differential and say, okay, this team is actually performing a lot better than their point differential indicates. So this is actually a bad team. But the way I look at it, is one, I'm an optimistic dude, but also when you're a younger team and you win some of these close games, right? One of the old axioms in the NBA is learning how to win, you know, trying to find the way to win and clutch time and these younger teams just can't do it. Well, these guys have done it in a lot of different scenarios. So that's something that's good for this team. And what also is good for this team is the fact that it hasn't happened a ton enough for them to get over 21 wins, which is what they have right now. And so when you're playing against some of these better teams like Denver, like Milwaukee, playing good defensively against Toronto and Milwaukee, but actually able to score against Denver, even if Denver's defense had been slipping quite a bit lately, they capitalized on their bad defense, scoring 112, which is fine, scoring 61 points in the second half, executing down the stretch offensively for the most part. I took a lot of good things away from this game. And you mentioned some of the individual performances. I really like collectively what I saw. Yeah, and I mean, clearly, look, it's not just about learning how to win. It's for this Hornets team, they've been all season trying to establish some kind of identity on both sides of the floor. How do they want to play offense and then executing how they want to play? And then similarly on defense, and you're starting to see all of that come together. And that's why it's really fun to watch this Hornets team right now win or lose because they're all playing hard and they're all buying in to what James Brego wants them to do defensively and offensively. He wants them to play with pace. They beat the Denver Nuggets in fast break points last night. Denver likes to play slow and they made Denver uncomfortable by getting out into transition. The game plan was obviously to try to slow down what Jokic does offensively and they were able to do that. He he did shoot five of 10, but he goes 0 of 2 from beyond the arc. They were able to chase him off the three-point line. 11 rebounds, 14 points. Now, Denver had balanced scoring across the board. They got some good contributions from Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, and Jeremy Grant. But at the same time, you you were able to say, hey, here's the guy we want to go stop. Let's go stop that guy. And that's, to me, that's impressive. How about Nikola Jokic having about enough of Cody dude, Seller? Get a Snickers. My dude, I mean, get a snack, man. He was hangry. He was out there <laughs> looking hangry. Like, just chill out. You don't want to mess. I don't think that Nikola Jokic knows about Cody Zeller. You don't want to mess with that dude. I'm telling you, Zeller, I think, secretly has a reputation in this league as somebody that you'll catch a bow, dude. You if you try to if you try to step up, man, Zeller is ready to get chippy right with you. As far as fighting Cody Zeller, though, I don't think you're worried about it, right? Or you think there's actually something in the arsenal of Cody Zeller that makes you scared of him? He's not a fighter, dude. He's not a fighter. He's a ninja. I'm telling you, sneak the look. That elbow just suddenly (laughs) finds your face, and you don't know how it happened. I'm telling you, I I think he's got a reputation. This is reckless speculation. I'm not on the inside of the away locker rooms polling NBA players, but I'm telling you, I just feel it in my bones that Cody Zeller has a reputation 
for this dude plays hard and he plays physical. And if you suddenly come out of a game with a black eye, there's like one guy that's going to be responsible for it. It's not going to be Cody Martin or PJ Washington. It's going to be Cody Zeller. Doug Branson exclusively reporting on the reputation of Cody Zeller in <laughs> the association. Gonna, I'm going to tweet it. Joining us on the Locked on Hornets podcast, and you can find those tweets from him. I'm a journalist. LOH, the journalist that Doug is, Doug Branson, LOH. Also, you can find me. I'm not a journalist, but I put out some good stuff. Hey, by week. the way, and if you're in the stands, if you're in the front row, if you play, if you paid the big bucks for the big ticket, you, you're not immune from Cody Zeller either. I mean, that lady in the front row got a bloody nose from Cody Zeller. I mean, he is violent. He is a problem for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a fan, if you're a referee, if you're his teammate. He put Cody Zeller out for like several games with a concussion. You can find me on Twitter at Walker Mail and the show handle <laughs> on Twitter as well at Locked On Hornets. It might be time to invest in the Hornets team, Doug, because there might not be enough advertisers because the ratings are low. But if you are an advertiser, it might be time to get in with the Hornets right now. Uh, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Hornets is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Hornets fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Hornets fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated, has disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this local Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and we look forward to hearing from you. We dive into some individual performances from the Hornets next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are literally in a new environment. I am in the same one, but Doug is in a different environment. And the way that this is beneficial to me is that Doug is actually at his in-laws right now. And the reason that's beneficial to me is because he actually has to go to, uh, you had to go upstairs. And because of that, there's a little bit of a reverb if he talks too loud. Now, generally and genuinely, Doug Branson is just a louder person than I am. And therefore, he dominates the mic, as you saw when he interrupted me yesterday. But what happens here is, yes, there is still an ability to interrupt me by just talking over me. But I can still kind of dominate now because I have the ability to speak louder without a reverb. Doug, not in that kind of position. And that does benefit me in a way that I don't have to hear the loudness of his voice like I usually do. So yes, I am posted up at my in-laws because we are still feeling the effects of this uh, tornado. Oh, uh, no, so I'm, I'm glad that, that yeah, like right. I'm glad yeah, that, no. yeah, you are a jerk, in fact. Right. And, I, and I said that on purpose to make you feel mm-hmm. like a jerk, that I am, you know, I am here, I'm suffering. I'm not suffering as bad as some people. I want to just get that out of the way right now. Good I'm going to put those links if you want to help uh, donate to uh, the people that are really suffering. Um, but I'll tell you this, 
that I care about this show a lot and I care about the audio quality a lot. And that love of, of the audio quality of this show supersedes my love of getting my takes off. So I just want to, I just want people to know that the reason I'm talking like this right now is because I love the audio quality of this show and I love our listeners and I want to make sure their ears are taken care of. Unlike Walker, who only cares about his radio takes. Yeah, this is Locked On NPR. We appreciate you joining a new edition. Doug Branson giving it to us some soft takes, maybe some hot takes, mm. but some soft takes from that soothing voice that Doug has always possessed. He's always been the voice of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Doug, you wanted to talk about Terry Rozier. You said that he has been playing well lately and he played well in this game, even though maybe some of the final possessions in the last two contests have not gone Terry's way. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously, you know, those situations are difficult. It comes down to one shot. How many of those opportunities do you get in a season? It's, you know, th those are tough. But they are putting the ball in his hands, and I think that says a lot because the ball's not going to Devontae Graham. It, it did go to Devontae Graham early in the season. It seems like things are shifting as we close the season a little bit more into Terry's hands. You have to give it up to Terry because he has dealt with this season about as well as you could have expected him to because he was signed here and and – everything that you heard out of Terry was that he was ready to come in here and be the guy, the guy that dominated the ball, the guy uh, that was responsible for a lot of the scoring. And then Devonte Graham happened and he's adjusted to that. Well, but I love that he's being aggressive in this situation, even if it's not going exactly like you would want it to. And I'll tell you another thing. If you look at the statistics, he is one of the top 15 players this season in crunch time in terms of both field goal percentage and three-point percentage among players that have taken one or more attempts per game in those type of situations. So Terry Rozier right there with guys like C.J. McCollum, uh, guys like uh, Gallinari, D Devontae Graham is doing a, slight, a little bit better than him in those situations, but Kimball Walker, Lou Williams, Gordon Hayward. Like Terry Rozier has played well this season, Walker, and it's not just in crunch time. He's setting career highs in three-point percentage per 36 minutes. It's at 39.4. If you look back at his time in Boston, it was 35 last season, 38 the season before, and 31.8 in his sophomore season. So in year five, he's shooting 39% from three. He's also improved his field goal percentage, and uh, he's improved. His rebounds have gone down. His assists have stayed the same. His free throw percentage has gone from 78 to 88, and he's taking a lot more free throws again per 36 so this isn't just the fact that he's getting more action this is balancing that with the per 36 numbers he's just better than he was in boston so now perhaps this is where i benefit from you not being able to yell at me and really this is just contrarian just playing devil's advocate because for the most part i think terry has been fine i think there's been some problems with terry's game but the filter that you put on that right when you said that he was top 15 among all players in the NBA that have had at least one attempt, like that filter does seem kind of questionable to me. And maybe I'm wrong in this, but when you have one attempt, right, that's maybe one attempt for somebody and they miss it and then they automatically go behind Terry Rozier. You mentioned some pretty good names that are ahead of Terry Rozier, no doubt. But the filter seems off. Why did you decide to go with that particular filter rather than maybe two or three attempts? Is, is the sample size just not nearly big enough if you start to get multiple shots in those situations or why did you decide to go with one? 
I just felt like that in that crunch time period, because it's normally, it's a, it's a deficit thing where you have to be within a certain number of points within the last, I believe, four minutes of a game. So I wanted to get a read on players that are actually responsible for offense and just didn't have, it happened to be in that situation in that time and get a, sh- and get one shot. Uh, so that's why I went down to one because it seemed to me to give me uh, the list of names that you would associate with people responsible for last second offense, including guys like Jamal Murray, who has uh, two attempts per game in crunch time minutes this season. Yeah. What's the one conversation around Terry Rozier that you have brought up that I have been interested in is the mindset of Terry Rozier as Devonte Graham has grown in front of us, right? Because Terry Rozier came in undoubtedly as the starting point guard of this team. And when he was the starting point guard at the beginning of the season, Doug, he was not playing well. Now, a big argument for that could be that he didn't know these guys nearly as well, right? Like it takes time to gel as a team. And so the fact that Terry Rozier wasn't playing necessarily all that well at the beginning when he was a point guard, you absolutely could make that argument that this is a team that just didn't have the chemistry. He's in a completely new environment. But also, I wonder how much of an effect that Devontae Graham has had on Terry Rozier playing well because Devontae moves to the starting lineup. He becomes the starting point guard. And all of a sudden, we find out that Terry Rozier is really good at the catch and shoot. I mean, you look at his percentages. We've seen him do a really good job at getting the ball right right at his chest and shooting it in open situations and nailing it. And I think that unlocked a skill that we certainly did not talk about when discussing Terry because he wasn't a two. I mean, he was never thought of as any kind of shooting guard. We never thought about playing Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham at least this many minutes. We did contemplate that in the offseason about if they could play off of each other, but not nearly this much for Terry. And so I wonder, okay, I could see how Terry might be frustrated that Devontae Graham has become the starting point guard for this team. But I also wonder if there's a little bit of, of gratitude for Terry, or if there should be some gratitude from Terry towards Devontae, because we've unlocked this skill that has absolutely made Terry Rozier a better player. I wonder what side of the fence Terry Rozier falls on when you consider both of those aspects. Well, I think he falls on the side of the fence that he's looking at his numbers and going, wait a minute, these numbers are really great. And so whatever situation this is that I find myself in, it's going to be beneficial to me in the long run. He's the only starter, by the way, right now, according to Cleaning the Glass, that has a points per shot attempt that puts him among his uh, group of players. So in this case, they're, they're rating Terry Rozier a combo guard. He's in the upper half of, of combo guards in terms of points per shot attempt at 110. He also leads all Hornet starters in points per shot attempt at 1.10. And if you look at that versus his last couple of seasons in uh, Boston, he was an inefficient player. I mean, he was sitting at 101, 102, and 91.1 respectively in the last three years at Boston. Those are low points per shot attempt numbers for his position. He comes to Charlotte and his usage goes from 19 to 24. That's a significant jump in usage from his time off the bench in Boston to his time here in Charlotte. And that's the tipping point for all of these players, right? They're, at some point, a player is going to get a reputation as a, a bench player. And then it's like, all right, let's give him some more run. Let's give him some more usage. And either the efficiency drops off dramatically, or it either stays the same or improves. And that sort of you can get an idea of their trajectory from there. And Terry Rozier, usage went up. Points per shot attempt also went up. The, to me, this is an offensive player that you can trust. 
Yeah, I think it's an offensive bucket getter that I trust. I don't know if I trust his decision making, but I think all the numbers you demonstrated there showcase that Terry Rozier has become a better player. You're right as far as a score goes, particularly. And he gets some assists every once in a while. I just don't trust him wholeheartedly when he's the guy running the offense. And I think we've seen that with Devontae Graham coming out. I think we see that in the pick and roll, the decision-making process of Terry Rozier. I've always questioned it. There have been some, right? But like, I'm kind of 50-50. So when you talk about him being a bucket getter, I think that has been a nice surprise for me. Like him scoring the basketball, I trust him a lot more than what I really thought of him coming into this team. But the decision-making process, Doug, to me, I, I still wane a little bit on Terry. I don't know if that's where you fall, but to me, the bucket-getting process for Terry, I think absolutely I trust him in that regard. Well, it's a big question mark. Like, right, if, if Devontae Graham were suddenly, if, if he were suddenly injured for a long period of time and you had to shift uh, him over with maybe a Martin twin, how, how would that work for the Charlotte Hornets? We simply can't know that until it happens. I understand your reservations. My reservations with Rozier and Graham together in the long term, even into next season, is how does it affect this team defensively having two oh, sure. really, really small guards? So here's what I'll say, though. This is why I think this is best case, Terry, because you're getting these efficient offensive numbers that I think a lot of maybe front offices aren't going to necessarily put into a lot of context. And so if you're trying to remake your team moving forward around Devontae Graham, Ideally, you would want Terry Rozier playing well to uh, increase his value on the marketplace next season. So I, to me, this is absolutely best case yeah. Terry Rozier. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, and, and again, I say that I trust him as a bucket getter. The shot selection still I question, but I, I'm, I'm with you, Doug. I mean, if you were to tell me, okay, Terry's going to give you 42% from the field, almost 40% from three, even though the four to two assist to turnover rate isn't fantastic, I, I take this Terry in a heartbeat. If you tell me this is what I get at the beginning of the season, I absolutely take this Terry Rozier. We'll take, a, uh, we'll take another break. We'll come back with the final segment here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We'll be right back. This is Locked on Hornets. That is so Stu God's form that you were about to make fun of people for their opinions of people changing their body. And then mid making fun of other people doing that, you said, I will say this, though, mm-hmm. the guy that I think his body changed. That's correct. Yeah, well, little, you're right. But little known fact about me, I have 2040 vision. So okay. um, that me, I'm pretty sure. What, or is it 40, 20 vision? Whatever means that I have great like eagle eye vision. That's Eagle Eye Cherry, by the way. Great underrated band of the 90s. Save Tonight, one of my favorite songs. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to NPR. I'm Walker Mail alongside Doug Branson, joining you from the Locked on Hornets podcast. Interesting conversation, Doug, right? Like I liked the conversation about Terry Rozier and the way that we feel about the future of this team. I saw you tweet last night, feeling the moment excited that the Hornets had a chance to beat a really good team in the NBA. And you tweeted, I love these baby bees. You love no, them. No, no, you didn't get it right. See, What'd you say? Really, you said I love are, these baby You are bees. really testing my ability to keep calm <laughs> right now. I'm trying to keep calm because I don't want to yell on this microphone because if I yell on this microphone, then you're going to hear a lot of reverb. I'm trying to stay mm-hmm. close to the microphone so it doesn't sound like I am in a bathroom somewhere. I love um, the Buzz Boys. Is that what it was? That's what it was, I think. Yeah, go ahead. I love not, the Buzz Boys. It was not I love the Buzz Boys. It was I love these crazy bees because they're. I thought you said baby bees. I said I love these crazy bees 
because they are swarming all over the place. And I'll tell you what made me do that, I think, was watching Jalen McDaniels just run all over the place and use his length. I'm so excited about Jalen McDaniels, and I didn't think I would be saying that after I watched him at the very beginning of this season. But if he bulks up, man, he is going to – there's just so many players on this roster right now, Walker, that I look at and go, man, if a few things break right – this player is going to be an absolute problem next season. Jalen McDaniels on the defensive end, Cody Martin is already a problem for teams. And if his three-point shot develops, he is going to be a problem for for opposing defenses. And then P.J. Washington playing Paul Millsap one-on-one over a couple of possessions and just absolutely bawling on the dude. And it looked like that movie Looper where Bruce Willis is being hunted by his young self. That was Paul Millsap looking at (laughs) P.J. Washington going, wait a minute, you're me, but like 10 years ago, and you are absolutely bawling on me. I mean, the post moves, knocking down open three-point shots. I am so excited about P.J. Washington, and it's making me wonder, Walker, like... Mm -hmm. Is this team going to be too talented next season to tank? Oh, man. You're at that point right now after all of this. You are feeling good. You do love these crazy bees. You have become one. You have become a crazy bee, Doug. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to get ahead of myself because a lot of, you know, it's so much of this is luck. But I think, man, if if this team is truly developing at this pace and they're starting to buy into what Borrego wants them to do defensively, like I could totally see this team plus the rookie acquisition plus they've got some cap space, maybe a sneak and you know, you don't have to pay a guy a, a ton of money or or long-term money, but maybe a sneak acquisition to get some size at the guard position and all of a sudden, man, I'm just saying I think they could be a Miami Heat type of team that's like suddenly a back half of the Eastern Conference playoff picture problem. Yeah, I think that development is not an escalator, right? Like we will not for sure see all of these players all improve next season. And then so when we talk about the development of one Jalen McDaniel. But what if they do? <laughs> but, but, but even if they do, then I don't think that you're a team that, man, I, are they better than Orlando if everybody improves that much? Because that's the eighth team in the playoff race right now. And I just don't see them being better than Orlando. I'm not I, I scared of Orlando. Oh, I know you're not. Well, only how many teams are making the playoffs this year for you, Doug? In, in Doug's personal record book, right? When you adopt this theory from Stu Gatz, how many teams are actually making the postseason in your personal record book from the East and the West. Oh, it's not my personal record book. It's the actual record book. I'm telling oh, okay. you only, only five teams made the playoffs last year. And I'm telling you in the Eastern conference, I'm going to say two teams are going to make the playoffs, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. Wow. But, the Miami heat are not going to make the playoffs this season. Oh, dude, they've been losing games to the Hawks. I mean, they are okay. just, they're trash. They're garbage. Just get out of here. Um, and maybe uh, now the, right on the bubble, I think are the Toronto Raptors. I've been high on the yeah. Raptors, but they've had some weird losses is here they I need to see now Kyle Lowry took care of business against Steph Curry and the Warriors and didn't didn't lose that emotional game and that that showed me something so so I, I I'm ready I'm almost ready I'm not ready I'm almost ready to put the Toronto Raptors in the playoffs so that would give you three teams in the east and the west now there are a few teams in the west I mean you, you of course the Lakers and the Clippers they've already clinched their spot they're in the yep. playoffs and then the Rockets 
it's it's weird, man. I don't know if I totally buy into the the playoff success ability of the small ball. Like I get it's successful in the regular season, but I'm still not ready to say that's playoff basketball. I think you can scheme against it, but I think you got to put the Rockets in there. So I would say three on three right now. Three teams okay. in the West, three teams in the East right now are in the playoff picture. Man, see, I, I'll I'll make this local. I'll make this about the Charlotte Hornets as well. So when people are so scared about this small ball lineup not working in the postseason, man, I go back to the Houston Rockets playing really well in the postseason with those small lineups. And Doug, when you looked at Clint Capella, people were people were so scared. Yeah, how many championships did the small lineups win? Right, and you're the rings guy, and fine. You know, you go up against possibly the best team of all time and take them to a seven-game series with a double-digit lead, then I'm okay. I'm going to call that a success. I don't need a ring in order to say that was a success in what the Houston Rockets did. When Clint Capella was on the floor, there were numbers to suggest in the postseason that they were actually worse. And in the postseason, Clint Capella, when he would go to the bench, the Houston Rockets would play better. And so when you talk about the Rockets going to the small ball lineup, but to me, it's not about P.J. Tucker playing the center that worries me. The question will continue to remain that I wonder if they're going to run in too much exhaustion. Because that's what happens. James Harden is responsible for so much that he gets tired in the postseason. He still has a ton of minutes. You know, Russell Westbrook, are these guys going to get tired because they rely so much on James Harden and Russell Westbrook and those guys running the offense? To me, it's not about the size. I mean, and, and I'll make this local to the Charlotte Hornets and the fact that it's kind of why I like P.J. Washington at the five and Miles Bridges at the four. I really like that lineup. And then, you, you know, we'll see about your boy Cody Martin if he does develop into a rotational player as a even a starter. I don't know. But getting significant run, you know, you put him at the three and then you start to talk about Devontae at the one and whoever you want at the two, then okay. Like, I, I like the idea of that lineup. This small ball lineup, man, it doesn't worry me in the playoffs. It's the pure exhaustion that worries me. I love these crazy bees. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I just love them. This has been the Lockdown Hornets podcast mm, on the Lockdown Podcast network you can remember to subscribe to us and on the show at apple podcast google podcast spotify wherever you get your podcast make sure you follow us on twitter at walker mail at doug branson npr and at locked on hornets we'll be back with you on monday i love these crazy bees